your host for Lacrosse Talk PM, Rick Solom. All right, welcome to a Thursday of Lacrosse Talk PM. Uh, Moon Tunes happening at Copeland Park Thursday. If you're headed to Moon Tunes, don't come to Riverside Park. Turn around, go to Copeland Park. Starts in uh, 20, 20-ish minutes. In studio with me, as she is every couple of weeks, Spencer Wilkin, the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. And uh, when she comes in, we talk science. She's just getting, she's like raring to go. She's, I'm ready to go. We have like 75 things on this list. <laughs> all, so what What all happens? before I was born. <laughs> all, yeah, all before. Well, science, I mean, everything's probably all before. I mean, well, I guess, I mean, some of the stuff we probably invented, but... Um, every, every time she comes in, we compile a list of stories and that list grows by the time it's, and we, we're, we're still compiling up to 5.05 PM. Yeah. I just found a brand new story. I'm like, Oh, we should totally talk about this. And, and you have like, these are the two big ones I would like to talk about. And then at 5.05 PM, you find something about the earth's atmosphere. And now that's become the biggest story. I mean, it's, it's super wild research. So that'll be, we'll have to give her a minute to uh, ingest that. So we'll do that at the bottom of the half of the hour. We'll talk about that one. Um, but before that, we, we do have, let's just get this out of the way. Um, well, let's just talk about the things that we are going to talk about. Um, in the past, we have come on and bro- broke some news. Yes, we as bro- is tradition. We broke, we broke news from 1876 about <laughs> yep. the Kentucky meat drop. Yep. Where, or meat shower, I should say, where it rained, where it rained meat in 1876 in Kentucky, and and still nobody knows why. Yes, and the best part about it is the samples of that meat still exist to this day. Oh, I, you know what? I forgot that. Yeah, we can go check it out. We gotta take a road trip. Wisdom road trip. <laughs> Wait, isn't the Noah's Ark's in Kentucky too? They have that Noah's oh, Ark replica. Oh, the big museum. Maybe yes. that. Do you think the meat is in Noah's Ark? Maybe they just store it there. Just I, no, two it got sent to Transylvania, right? The fake place, a, a lab in Transylvania. So the Kentucky meat is in the. They got con- sent all over the world. Yeah, they were because they were so confused by it. Some everybody anybody we're take this meat. We're gonna talk about the meat. Kentucky meat shower again. We, well, I mean it's. It's crazy. It rained meat in Kentucky, and nobody knows why. Um, but but uh, along with that, in, in a couple of weeks after that, we broke news about the nineteen from the nineteen fifties, the Great Beaver Drop, uh-huh. where scientists needed to drop beavers uh, by airplane. They parachuted them in boxes. The boxes would break open when they hit the ground because we didn't. What we needed to. We need to do some woodworking in, in remote areas of... I can't re- quite was, remember. We, need, we needed to reintroduce a population that had been decimated by beaver trapping. And it, their mules couldn't transport the beavers, so we had to do it one way and one way only, airplane. Just like Tom Cruise in the new Mission Impossible movie. And then um, after that, we talked about... This one's the weirdest one, and this is kind of along the lines of what you want to talk about today, but... Mm-hmm. The experiment where a woman lived with a dolphin. For, what was it, 10 weeks? A very long period of time. Like, in, in, in a house, right? Yes. They filled the house with water. Yep. And she just lived with goulashes on or something. And she or was waiters. not a scientist. She was just yeah. a and, and, eager person, an well, eager beaver. no, this is what happened, is that <laughs> scientist that was conducting the experiment the, the woman was probably a tr- like this is a man like oh I'll uh, I'll let you 
take part in this because you're an attractive woman and it's it's one of those misogynistic things but then it it ended terribly i think right yeah, well, for it, both the dolphin and the and woman, the woman. <laughs> didn't she go insane or something well the dolphin pro- did that's for sure well for crying out loud and um and so today now you have two breaking news stories from the 1960s i think i got hung up in the 1960s what happens does your youtube algorithm just like oh look at this weirdo she's looking at 1960s crazy news science news and so i these are just things that stick with me and they just stick like gum underneath a desk to my brain whenever i heard about these i've always just carried them around and I have to share them, so I'm going to share these stories. All right, so one is about experimenting on people, the, 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 the ability of authority to tell another person, not experiment on, you know, it's kind of experimenting on people, right? To Human nature, like, so there's really, there's a couple. There's um, the Milgram experiment is, is probably pretty common. If you've ever taken a psychology class, you've heard about it. It's the ability to force people to do something under duress or under the threat of punishment, how far will a person go? Um, that's one, and we're not really going to talk about that one so much as the a little bit more interesting one, which was the twins separated at birth oh, right. question. And then uh, the final experiment, which is my favorite unethical experiment, if you can have one, is the uh, mouse utopia uh, research, I, I use air quotes, research uh, done on rats to see what happens when all needs are met. What happens whenever the baseline of needs is met in a society and uh, I want to preface all three of these experiments are highly unethical. Well, you so talk about this. You just said separated at birth, but it, you we have to underscore that with scientists separated okay. twins at birth, and then it and the, to see you know if there was any like connection between twins twins if they're separated, right? Exactly. So there's, I mean, separated at birth is one thing, but when you do it manually, <laughs> without <laughs> consent of and the, without parents knowing. Like, it was all done. Uh, yeah, we're in, in the hospital. We're delivering babies. They don't know they have twins. They're like, oh, they got twins. Woo! And they throw, the, <laughs> the throw one out the door. And it then, was a matter of because it was through an adoption agency. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So it's crazy. Uh, 608-785-7914 is the talking text line. And she is the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. So there's some hands-on science programs. Yeah. Uh, open and I don't know. Is that the only one, you, uh, or did you stop typing? Most of all, most of them are full. Uh, our kids' culinary is happening right now. It, it's going off really, really well. Uh, the kids are much better cooks than me. Better knife safety skills. Like I realized, I will cut a finger off at some point. I am really bad at the kitchen stuff. Um, but we still have spaces, a couple spaces left, not too many, in hands-on science. So if you have a student or a kid or a grandkid who likes science or might like science this program is great it's with uwl instructors they teach kids hands-on things like how to make slime how to make bouncy balls and then tests to do like what's DNA the age, what's the age range um it is sixth seventh and eighth grade okay so there you, and then what do they need and to smart do? fifth graders just google spencer wilkin uwl spencer halsey uwl uh they should I mean, hands-on hands science. science uwl if you okay. pull my name up you'll find it but if you look hands-on science we have scholarships every single student who applies, will get a scholarship. So please, please, please apply. Um, it's a very affordable program uh, uh, with, with our scholarships this year. All right. We're going to take a break. We'll be back. All right. Welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk text line. Spencer Wilkin, UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. She picked this song, so she's dancing in here. Um, I will say there's... The, the car accident 
the guy speeding past the brewery yesterday. I would bring that up, but we don't have any information. Like, there's a video that that somebody put on Twitter or YouTube. I can't remember. It's on Twitter, I believe. And you can check it out at wisdomnews.com. A guy flew past a, a semi, kind of, kind of from the video. You're like, whoa, he's going way too fast, but he made it. And then the next video is him uh, bleeding and laying on the side of the car. A little bit graphic, but if you want to look at it, it's at wisdomnews.com. Police haven't given us any information. In fact, police are saying we need information. So anyone that has anything, video, uh, eyewitness, contact the police, Lacrosse Police Department. Um, all right, so transition, Spencer. Let's talk um, a little bit of all this. You have like a, a plethora of space news. Yeah, like many small space updates. So that'll take us a couple of minutes. But before we get to that, you're about to start your, start your doctorate in physics. Astrophysics. Astrophysics. Space stuff. And at the University of Illinois next month. At, and so why why pick this why pick space versus the ocean? I'm a little bit more fascinated with the ocean, mm-hmm. and I feel like I, I, clearly we don't know anything about space compared to the ocean. But there's honestly, I think it's the same. We we but we know a lot. We, we about, know very little about the ocean. About very little is what. Yeah, we know what well, we know very little about the ocean and. Uh, I mean, we did know one thing about the ocean, uh, which is don't send carbon fiber submarines down it. Uh, but here we are. Anyways, um, so we <laughs> we don't know a lot about space, and we don't know a lot about the ocean. I think one of the biggest allures, I mean, have you seen pictures of space? They're way prettier than pictures of the ocean. Right. It's dark down. It's, it's dark. dark down there. Well, it's dark in space, though, but the, we have these big balls of light that we do all over the place. We have things that emit a bunch of colors, and... Um, I think I just like looking up better than looking down because my posture is already pretty bad. So, you know, I got to I gotta spend some more time looking up. Um, all right. So in, in that regard, when it comes to space news, and I always pick I always pick on you for we haven't gone back to the moon yet. It's been two years. We were going to go. We were going to do this a year ago, two years ago. And we don't have like a lot of new moon news going back to the moon news. I think we did a flyby the other day. To check on, hey, yep, it's still, still there. there. <laughs> we'll land on it sometime. I, I have I'm, 2026. I, right? I, I, the... I have my doubts. Well, 2026, we'll say, eh, it's not, we don't really need it's gonna to go there. It's going to rain that day. So well, it's, I'm washing my hair and it's expensive. It's going to cost billions of dollars. We're not going to do it. Instead, we're going to focus on trying to get to Mars. And last last time you were here, we talked about the inability to live on Mars. But um, in, in other space news, what do you got? Okay, so we, we do have living on Mars as part of the space news. Uh, We also have gravity waves. So this is a really big, really big story to scientists. It is tough to translate to non-scientists because it's not, it's really big for science. You just just look down on like 99.9% of the listeners. Yeah. You non-scientists won't understand gravity waves. It's not a matter of not understanding it. It's just, it doesn't really impact our day-to-day ever. At least as far as so, I'm why aware. are we talking about it? Well, because it's it's super fun. Um, oh, okay. So, we're going to talk about a really strange phenomenon. So, a couple years ago, uh, there was a really big science news. You might might have recalled uh, we discovered that whenever large bodies of mass rotate around each other in space, they bend space, and um, we actually were discovering the. I'm sorry, so we discovered that this is an instance thing, but it can also be constant. So gravitational waves are found um, all the time 
they're always produced and they're huge. I mean, we're talking wavelengths the size of our solar system. And it, it's just, we, what we're looking at in space is always distorted by gravity. So gravity itself is being changed. We're learning that reality is not what we think it is watch all the inter- time. Watch That's Interstellar. The way to yes, with, watch Interstellar. Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yep. Is there any relation? <laughs> I mean, you talk gravity. The whole the whole basis of the movie is about gravity, right? It's, yeah, this is like a, this a is different, different part of yeah. gravity. It's like space is being bent. Um, it's so just know that scientists are celebrating, uh, and, and if you feel left out, that's okay. It's not it's not going to impact anything that you do. But woo, we found something new. Super fun to talk about for you nerds in the science community, but hard for us to kind of quant- quantify or, or understand. What's more interesting is when, and I said last time you were here, we talked about how in, uninhabitable Mars is and what you would do if you lived on Mars. We're going to do that again because we're doing that. I'll, I'll, we have, we're experimenting on people living on Mars right now? Yes. Uh, okay. So this is like new news. So for the last 13 months. Unlike, NASA, unlike our, we're bringing back the 60s news. This yeah, is actually this happening is right now. Um, so NASA has done an, ex- they're doing an experiment on humans uh, which is really a core of human understanding. They put four scientists, so non-astronaut volunteers, into this uh, simulated Mars environment. And they're going to leave them there for over a year to see how they handle it. Um, and so there's a research scientist, an engineer, a microbiologist, and a physician who are going to be living in this environment. Another cool factoid is that the simulated dome was actually entirely 3d printed uh the reason being is one of the most easy ways to get materials to uh, mars eventually or at least the most realistic one uh, in the nearest future will be to bring them as 3d printable materials so this is the first of three planned experiments just to see how well humans can handle uh yes it is yep it's very similar to the 1996 hit biodome <laughs> Which you've probably never seen. Have I'm you seen familiar Bio with Doom? it. I've never watched it. Uh, with uh, featuring um, the great actor Pauly Shore, the guy that used to say, "Hey, buddy, we's in the juice." That guy. I don't know. That's that's that's, that's like very nice. Some 90s. people my age might get that. And Stephen Baldwin, one of the Baldwin brothers. So, uh, Biodome, a movie that I can honestly say I didn't watch in its entirety, but uh, I've I've definitely. Oh, they have nice plants in that Biodome. So we're Biodoming Mars, essentially. Here, live in Mars for over a year, and like again, what we talked about living on Mars last it's time. It's gonna suck. There's no point. Like, can we just <laughs> Earth fix, is better? Can we fix this planet anyway? Yeah, like um, don't don't touch the dirt. Don't stand outside. Don't breathe the air. Don't don't live there. If don't, we go like, to Mars, we will have to live in domes don't the live whole in time. Mars. I mean, that's kind don't of the point, right? Like that, that. What what these people are living on, what they're experimenting on, is mm-hmm. we would have to just transfer that to Mars. We have to make Mars as Earth-like as possible, and it is a near impossible, near impossible challenge. But I we think that's why we're so excited We have to terraform, terraform Mars. Mars. Uh, meanwhile, we could just terraform Earth. The amount of money we spend trying to see what it's like to live on Mars, we could use that money to fix, fix. Earth, yeah. I always think. Um, but anyway. I thought that's kind of fun. Um, so also we have this big new telescope, the James Webb tel- – is it a telescope? Yes, the James Webb Space Telescope, J-W-S-T. Space tel- yeah. I was just thinking, like, when I think telescope, I think, like, in your bedroom, you're looking through the little eye hole out the window to the stars. Mm-hmm. But that's, you know, like, it's not like an astronaut goes up to the James Webb Telescope out in space and puts his, his eye next to it and – but it's a it's a series of mirrors, 
and uh, reflecting, looking deep, deep, deep into space. So we have, it's getting a brother? It's getting a pal. Yeah, so we're actually, so Europe, a little late to the game, going to be honest, uh, is sending another telescope to live next to James Webb. So James Webb currently occupies a pretty high value real estate in our uh, Earth's orbit area. Oh, really? Yeah, so it's, it, um, there's things called Lagrangian points, which I, I know for a fact one of your previous guests spent a lot of time talking about, but I will do it briefly. Um, they are gravitational points of incredible stability, where we want to put things like the Hubble Space Telescope and James Webb so that they're not really yeeted around the Earth too much. They're, they're held in a stable point. Um, and while well, Europe is sending their Euclid uh, telescope to be next to James Webb in that same kind of space, but it's going to be looking at a different aspect. So if I remember correctly, the James Webb is in the IR, uh, a very specific near-infrared uh, area right, right outside of human visible zones, whereas Euclid is going to be looking at something completely different. It is looking for dark matter and dark energy, or rather where that isn't. So it's looking at very, very dark areas of space to try to find what it can see. When, when you start studying astrophysics at Illinois next year, and maybe down the road, 10, 20 years, whatever, dark, dark matter, is that going to be your thing? Because that's always... No, no. <laughs> like what's no. going to be your thing? You think like this is the this is uh, where star, I, so stars are my thing. I love talking about stars. I could talk about star physics, like Polly Shore, like oh the, the infamous star <laughs> Polly Shore, known to every Gen Zer. Who? <laughs> uh, okay, so stars yeah. versus uh, because dark matter is always dark matter is a huge. I mean, if, I took a whole class on it. We should name it something just, different because dark matter sounds not mysterious but evil. So it's evil matter. Oh, that's how I think of dark matter because like. It's dark. It's it's evil. nefarious. It's 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 changing the way our universe is structured, and we don't know what it is. Okay. It is exactly, and that's all you got because it's dark matter. It's we dark matter. We don't know what it is. I we know what it's not. I we spent should a call whole it, class on learning what it's not. We should call it mysterious matter, and then we could call it M squared, mysterious matter, and then it that wouldn't be like so. Cool it wouldn't sound name. so evil. Is dark matter kind of evil? Then is that what you're saying? It is kind of evil. I mean, I think maybe it's good the unknown. Matter. Maybe it's doing changing the elements of the universe for good. Six zero eight seven eight five seven nine one four is the dog and text line. And then um, is that it for space? No, oh, two the, other things. The, the, this one, okay, go ahead, go ahead. You got the okay. other. Okay, so biggest diamond ever. Uh, when our sun dies, it's going to become a a skeleton of a star. It's AKA all the fun Bernie stuff is going to be gone. And what it's going to leave behind is a super dense core of carbon and oxygen. Uh, that is because the fusion is pushing all the elements together and fusion creates a higher element on the periodic table because you're combining mass, making a heavier element. And that leaves behind is big old orb. Well, in some cases, um, we have just discovered that carbon could become diamonds. I mean, it's already super dense. I mean, the sun pushed it together. Mm -hmm. um, and so what scientists have just found is a white dwarf that was really hot, has cooled down just enough to allow a crystalline uh, substance to form at its core, aka a giant carbon diamond. And so uh, if you look at your ring, feel envious because it will never be as large as this giant diamond star. Also feel disappointed because now diamonds are pretty prevalent. Along. It just crashed <laughs> the diamond market. Right, it just, well, somebody, there is, there is this, like, conspiracy theory that in Russia there's, like, rooms full of diamonds. They have, like, a Artificially giant Artificially inflated. They have a giant vault of diamonds, and they keep them hidden so that the diamond market can stay. Um, but you had, you had one more. Is this one to the, to the no, the CH plus CH3? Uh, we just, we're just constantly finding more and more unique 
chemical structures around the universe. The more we stare at other planets, the more um, signs of like life-building elements we find. So I think it's just like tiny little steps. We are finding Legos. Soon we will find that Lego house is uh, what scientists are, are uh, banking on. We just need to... So we found a new one. We, we just need to life. figure out how to get there. Yes. Like we, we, we need to bend the space time. We need to bend space and time so that we could travel. Gravity waves, that might be the answer. Gravity waves. We'll ride them like a surfboard, right? Yes. All right, we'll be back. This is a lot. It's, uh, all of voodoo. It's got to calm down a little bit. 608 785 7914 is the talk and text line. That's. Spencer Wilkin, the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. We talk science when she comes in here, and she picks the music. I'm so sorry. So we have Wall of Voodoo. It's not the worst. It's not that bad at all. It's, it's Pink, Pink Floyd tribute starting right now at Copeland Park. The Moon Tunes concert. They have they've had like four thousand people the last time. I, I I'm curious to see if four thousand people show up for Moon Tunes tonight at Copeland Park. I did ask the guy that runs Moon Tunes, hey, if Copeland Park's so successful, would you just do Moon Tunes there all the time? Because it's got a different venue. Maybe it's maybe it's more fun there. Change it up a little and bit. And he said, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> just like that. Because he wants to be in Riverside. They built that. Um, the, Amphitheater? Yeah. The, the, they built that there. It's it's pretty cool. So I think they just want to take advantage of it. Uh, and then there's just the, the bring your lawn chair and, and you know come and go as you please a little, little bit easier at Riverside Park. Anyway, okay, so we got our space news out of the out of the way, and that some of that's kind of breaking ish news. It's yeah, like new think- news. Now we're going to do our new old news segment where we talk about something that happened in the '60s, right? Or did we do that already? We didn't do that. No, already. we haven't gotten the details. We, yet. we we kind of we teased it, but the and we have like multiple stories that, um, you know, from in, in the past we've done the Kentucky meat shower of the 1876, living with a dolphin from the '60s, and the Great Beaver Drop. From the 1950s, and now we have what torturing we, mice or something? Well, actually, the opposite. Um, the exact mice torturing opposite. us? Well, <laughs> a little bit. Um, torturing society. Um, so the, the oh, I came across this experiment when I was reading the book Flowers for Algernon. Uh, that is a book. Uh, it's a tearjerker. Let me tell you, uh, really stuck with me. It's about giving intelligence to a mouse, and it just. And, and mimicking similar experiments on humans, it is a work of fiction. But this is fact, the mouse utopia experiment. It goes under a couple different names, uh, Universe 25 experiment or mouse heaven and hell experiment. Uh, the basic concept was a scientist in the 1950s and 60s, um, he actually did this 25 times, uh, isolated mice in what he perceived to be the ideal societal conditions to start. He gave them plenty of shelter, plenty of space, um, a, a ratio of males to females, and infinite food. Cable TV. Cable TV. Uh, a nice couch to lay on. Real ca- uh, beanbag chairs, even. Like, they had a whole thing. Um, you can actually see old diagrams of it, and it's got, like, little spiral staircases. Whatever. A utopia for mice. Utopia for mice. And multiple mice, because you said isolated, but they're isolated together. They're So the, the mice live together but the the experiment itself was isolated from external factors and they just let it go they just let it go and see what the mice do and they were trying to use this as commentary on um like social support structures like what happens if we support people too much and what they discovered was this wild dichotomy of of mice aggression and fights breaking out and since um usually uh mice have a very high uh uh, birth death rate, there's a word for that, uh, 
uh, they're what, case strategists, but they they die out usually. And but here they all lived. It became incredibly overpopulated. Were the mice way. bored? Yeah, they became bored, so they kept fighting. And nothing to do. Nothing to do. And be- so because I would imagine a mouse's a mouse's life, yeah, a mouse's life would be I got to get food. I got to get food. I mean, my dog's life is: Do you have food? Do you have food? Are we going? And we're going to go outside. Oh. When we come back outside, we're going to get food. So I feel like that's all, most of animal, the animal kingdom. The one thing that drives like small creatures is the hunt for food. And they even lost the willingness to mate, right? So after a while, uh, these strange social structures uh, occurred. So one was, I think they called them like the the beautifuls. Uh, There were mice that spent all their time grooming, excessively grooming. They got little mirrors and vanities set yeah, they up, had and they're just mascara. combing their hair. <laughs> so uh, those mice uh, didn't do anything. Well, this sounds like a, this sounds a little bit like we have a zoo, and the, and you have to give animals enrichment. enrichment. I used to like my friend's a zookeeper. She talks about like we'll we'll freeze treats in a to a big giant ice block, and then the bear's got to like you know dig into the ice. He's got to he's got to figure out how to get the treats out of the ice block. So there's these animal enrichment things Mm -hmm. it sounds like we didn't give the mice anything to do any enrichment well that was a big part of it and i want to say like preface for those that didn't hear me say this earlier this is a very controversial unethical experiment um but people were looking at it and they're like well look at that like look at society if we give people everything they need it breaks apart and that's like well neglecting every other factor uh if you had 17 kids and they all survived and you were banking on one you know like things get a little weird um, but other things were that uh, some mice would just eat excessively. They all uh, reverted to these really strange behaviors. And so this experiment, uh, ultimately, you really can't pull some conclusions from, but I mean, scientific ones from, but boy, did um, psychologists try. And so it, they, one of the things that happened was mice were inventing things. They saw what was the equivalent of, like, the rat wheel. They built a wheel, so they used to move dirt around. And rats will usually just move clumps, but what they were doing here is they were building wheels. They were making little, like, rollable dirt wheels to move. Like, they were improving things. I feel like we built a utopia with them with no toys. Yes. we. They had to build their own. Like, build your own. You know, like like uh, our grandparents, right, in the in the 40s or 50, or maybe 20s. Like, they had the, they had the stick with the, the hula hoop, and you'd roll the hula hoop down the... Or, or fiddle sticks, or oh, I've done I'm those. They're to, kind of fun. I'm trying to think of like jacks, like what I don't know. I don't know what era. I'm in multiple eras here, but um, the kids had to figure out how to play with stuff that was pretty basic, and that's and we didn't even give the mice that. We just get here's dirt, you food, can, you infinite can, food. Here, play with your food, I guess. Well, um, all right. so yeah, that was that was one experiment. Uh, the the lead researcher behind it tried to actually use this. The whole goal was city planning. But that's not what happened. I was, was going to say, there's probably some flawed, we're going to use this in some flawed way to not give people health care. And here we are. <laughs> you can't yeah. give you too much health care because then you won't try to, to work to get more health care. Well, this experiment, all, uh, with its flaws, is often seen against the uh, universal basic income concept. Um, I'm not going to interpret that. You can just read up on this experiment and see how, what you think about it. It's well, universal basic income, then we'd have to give them universal basic housing. And food. But th- this doesn't even sound basic. It sounds like you get they gave them everything except something to do. Mm-hmm. So I, it seemed flawed to me unless I'm just, you know, I could we could be misinterpreting. Maybe they did. Maybe they did give them uh, a, a rat wheel to play with, but it doesn't sound like it. 
Okay, the other one is even more controversial, where we separated twins at birth, mm-hmm. or adopted twins, or, or uh, not adopted. Before you're adopted, you're in a so orphanage. Orphanage, right? Yes. So we took we took twins that were in orphanages and separated them when they were, and 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 then what? What 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 kind of experiments did the nefarious scientists of the '60s do here? Uh, so uh, Paul the 60s Neubauer, whack, man. yeah, it was wild. It was right before what I learned was like the ethics cups of S ethics cusp of the 1970s so if you ever go back and look at the medical research done in the 1960s uh, a reason for that real quick aside is that in the 1940s and 50s as you might remember there was a big historical incident uh, on human testing in the 1940s and many other countries put in strict laws but the united states did not so in the 1950s when all these committees were meeting they're like ah americans won't do things that are unethical. We're better than that. We're better than that. And so that's what caused the experiments that we see like this. And so uh, Paul Neubauer was a leading child psychologist in the same way that um, the dolphin researcher was a leading dolphin researcher. Uh, But they have that one thing. And so what he did is he took these twins and triplets and separated them at birth, did not tell the parents, and did incredibly invasive uh, like rigorous, rigorous uh, studies on how they would developmentally change based on nature versus nurture. Like what things were the same, what things were different, how can we isolate variables? And this was a really long study. He actually had every parent already have at least one adopted child that he could also study, which was not a twin, uh, to see if the parent so he had was a stable. Test, so he had like a test subject, like a, or a, base, subject a baseline family. of it versus twin versus no twin. Mm-hmm. And well, the, the test the test subject was like an environmental study, make sure the parents were stable, and then compare what the twins were doing. Well, this thing fell apart in the 1970s. One ethics board they figured was, out what he did. They figured out what was happening. And they stopped it, um, and they ran out of funding. But more importantly, the twins started finding each other. In wild ways. There's a whole documentary on how the twins uh, ended up finding one. And one of the most famous versions of this is actually the triplets that all found each other. So uh, one of the triplets was going to college. He had been uh, a very smart student, excelled, and got in college early. Where his other twin, uh, actually one of three, uh, got accepted into college. And everyone on that same dorm kept mistaking them for each other. And he's like, why are you mistaking me for... So they coincidentally ended up at the same same college. college. Yes. And that was where the discovery was made for them. They actually realized they met whenever they're like, oh, my gosh, you guys are spitting images. Um, that made the news. Not just no one... doppelgangers. Because I, I did read, I just read a story about, like, finding your doppelganger. Mm-hmm. But these were, they no, just like, they're... oh, we, how, how would you figure out that we are actually brothers or brother and sister? Well, because of the, the problems with uh, this particular experiment is that they hid a lot of data. I, I don't know how they ended up finding it. They might have actually submitted their DNA. I mean, right. if you look at them, they're exactly the same. Yeah. Um, and I mean, so the best friends were mistaking them. So uh, that made the news. And then the third brother came out. And it's like, oh, we're all related. Did he see himself? He did he see himself the, in the news? Mm-hmm. Essentially, like right, like literally. Hey, that's me, and also that's me. Yes. So um, I think it was Bob, Eddie, and then the third one, whose name I don't remember. But uh, and this was true for other twins. Uh, there was one twin uh, that wanted out of these experiments. So the whole time that the uh, Louise Weiss Services researchers were doing this experiment, they were doing it under the pretense of other things. They were meeting with the twins under other pretenses. Right. One of them figured it out, and she went and she would sneak out to meet her twin at dances, 
And that's kind of when the whole thing fell apart. Well, the results of this study are probably the most robust of any twin research. Uh, with all the issues known. Right. It's it's like nefar- a nefarious thing this guy did, separating twins at you know birth or whatever, close to birth. But then, like... Also, okay, we 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 sacrifice that, but we come up with a lot of like pretty interesting facts. We right? did, right? Uh, and so this exper- experiment like this will probably ne- should never happen again, right? It's it's right. been time capsuled away, and so all the results are actually locked up, lock and key, at a Yale University, and cannot be opened until 2066, when they suspect all the participants who were involuntarily participants um, will be dead. So. That is, it's kind how of many, like a time capsule. Do you, do you know how many? It were? was six total sets of twins. Okay. I think on record. But there were a couple different attempts, and not every uh, transplant was successful. Yeah. But the, the key um, folks were six, and they have been suing in court and are still suing in court to get those results shared early because it Oh, the twins their, are. Yeah, they want to know I what they found. I was just going to say, I, I was like, what if the twins got together and said, hey, you guys actually were cool with it. Like, release the data. We don't need to die. Can you release the data? And there's a fight to not yeah. release the data, even though it's their data, kind of. So Paul Neubauer is uh, long since gone. And I think it was something with the way, way he set it up in a trust is isolated that data away. All right. So interesting uh, breaking news from the 1960s. 1960s, but still ongoing 50 yeah. years later, right? Mm-hmm. So. 608-785-7914. All right, we'll be back to talk with uh, UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist Spencer Wilkin and wrap up. All right, welcome back to Lacrosse Talk PM. 608-785-7914 is the talk and text line. Spencer Wilkin is the UW Lacrosse Outreach Specialist. If you want to get in- involved, get your kid, your 6th and 7th grader. 6th, 7th, 8th. And smart fifth graders. And smart fifth graders. Well, you never know. Uh, the hands-on science. Look up UW Lacrosse hands-on science. Uh, it sounds like something that uh, you know what I think maybe anyone would be interested in, but only uh, so forty-five-year-olds can't do it. Huh? So. Yeah, unfortunately. I mean, but it sounds cool. Like you're making you're making stuff that doing. We have one that's an archaeology-themed one where they're actually going to be looking at bones and looking at under microscope. It's it's really wide-ranging. I think one of the most exciting ones, or the one that was filled up first, uh, was one on bugs. So they're just going to be going out and collecting bug samples and looking at them like scientists do. Yeah, those are those are awesome. I have the bug guy from Viterbo on every once in a while to talk, and I'm trying to get him again because I want to talk about. There's a bug story on the on the wire today that I wanted to get into. Um, okay, but before we let you go, we want to. I want to talk about this. Atmosphere. Our atmosphere is changing. Yes. Oh, good. Yes. Is that good? No. No. It's not. <laughs> oh, well, okay. Actually, Could be let's, good. let's start with the upside first. So, what is happening in our atmosphere is uh, we are seeing a stratification of two layers: our troposphere and the stuff above it. So, cut off about thirty miles above the surface of Earth, if I remember correctly. I'm not reading anything, so just pulling that uh, from hopefully correct. So is but, that future astrophysicist? I'm trying. Uh, <laughs> It's something like that. Um, but there's a, there's a delineation. And while we've been measuring the temperature and its thickness for the last 30 years consistently before that um, occasional checkpoints, but pretty well constant monitoring uh, for the last 30 years, with an exception of a couple recent years because of funding. But um, we've got a pretty good idea of what's going on up there. And what we're seeing is a very strange cooling, in part due to two reasons. And these reasons are very easily measurable and can be pulled apart to see exactly what percentage they have an impact. Uh, The first part 
that we are seeing. And the reason why we think the upper uh, level of the atmosphere is cooling down is because our sun right now is trending towards a cooler atmosphere, uh, cooler general output. Oh, so Here our sun is. is doing climate our, change. Our sun is trending. No, it's it's getting colder. It's it's doing less well, it's still wattage. climate change. It, yes. It's just changing the other direction. <laughs> it is changing the other direction. Hopefully it'll help, uh, but it's not. Uh, and so that is a very small part as to why our upper level is cooling. The other part as to why the upper level cool is cooling in a much larger consideration is that heat is not going up through it the same way. It's getting trapped down low. And this might sound familiar to those of you who study uh, things, uh, <laughs> environment, planetary, uh, atmospheric conditions, meteorology, those kinds of things. Uh, you might think, oh, hey, that kind of sounds like a greenhouse gas effect. Uh, you'd be correct. We are trapping heat closer to the surface of Earth, so our stratosphere is cooling. And what scientists are seeing is that it's actually reduced by, my notes, uh, 4,400 uh, feet between 2002 and 2019. And, so almost a mile. Uh, About 1,000 feet short of a mile. Yeah, 1,000 feet, yeah, a little bit shorter than a mile. So our um, stratosphere has, has shrunk. And um, why do why do we care that the upper not is it stratus upper toposphere is cooler? It's I think it's, it's actually like a, there's like the stratosphere breaks down into mesosphere and thermosphere, but uh, a part of it. Well, what, this will actually impact satellites. So whenever our uh, stratosphere condenses, it means up higher, up higher than it is less dense. So the yeah. air is less dense. That means. Um, our satellites will not be experiencing, our low Earth satellites specifically, will not be experiencing the same drag they were before. So I they'll think one of the numbers, around. they'll be going uh, by 2070, one, um, a third faster than what they are right now. So our satellites will be moving a lot faster. I said that's the one positive, unless it's also a negative. Well, because, yeah, <laughs> who knows if that's good or bad? Who knows? Know. They're gonna be, the collisions will be much more violent because they will be going faster. Yeah, I don't know how. You ever see a picture of, of all the satellites that are around Earth? I've seen Wally. It's crazy. It's, oh, is it in that movie? <laughs> yeah, I've never seen it. No, Wally's just uh, egregious. Um, but so this is going to, uh, yeah, a couple things that they have noted here. Risks of collision are going to be greater because the speed's going to be higher. The for signals satellites. between, yeah, for satellites. Also, our atmosphere does something quite important, which is protect us from uh, the irradiance of the irradiance irradiance of the sun. Um, I like to call it UV. The light. UV, and so if it's super fragile and it's breaking apart and not acting the same way, we incur more risk. So, do we need to do what? Like, what do we need to do? Just, I mean, it's the same thing over and over again. Like, stop burning fossil fuels and. <laughs> Stop burning Stop. stuff consistently 24 hours a day but by the billions of people that live on Earth? So actually, I think the And hope the solution, super volcano at Yellowstone doesn't erupt? It, yes, all these <laughs> things. All, like, stop volcanoes, stop cow farts, stop all of it. Um, what the better thing to do is build an uh, apartment that is 30 miles tall and live where it's cooler. Oh, okay. That's my but solution. do it in Duluth. Do it in Duluth. Because it's cool. It's going to be cooler up there. In, in like 50 years, apparently, Duluth is going to be the utopia of the earth to I, live on. I believe that. All right. That's all the time we have for today. Just to recap, we, we talked about um, the 1960s quite a bit again. So we'll I'll bring continue. it back next time. Next time you come on, we'll have another. Well, n- the next time you come on might be, well, maybe maybe two more times before. And I don't. we haven't talked about this, but maybe we do this remotely because you'll be in I'm going to have a lot more science news. You'll be a fib by then. Yeah. (laughs) Hold it against me. Thanks, everybody, for listening.